Welcome to WRTS. We run this station presented by Uninterrupted. I'm Spencer Pasker, NFL player gone Hollywood, where I work with my producing partner and co-host, Dane Moore. Yo, 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 what's up? <laughs> As usual, this is another episode of Film Study where we dissect the latest blockbuster movies because, I mean, let's face it, we see, see what, a shitload of movies. movies a week. Yeah, probably way too many for anyone's life. I saw three this weekend. I saw, so. I saw two this weekend, but it was a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday I was a little bit busy moving, so... <laughs> You know, I had to fit it in appropriately. That's As, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I fit them in where I could. But. As always, we're drawn by our producer, Matt. That is I. That is I. And hey, I want to take a little moment right now to let our listeners subscribe to this wonderful, beautiful podcast channel we call WRTS. We run this station because it is run by us athletes. And we would also like to kindly ask you to rate five stars, and leave us a review. Yeah. Kindly. Kindly. Keep kindly asking. Kindly. Yeah. You can well, also check us out at, uh, what is it, Film Study Pod, and at Pacinger Novells, at Dane Mork, and at Uninterrupted. Um, we love to talk film and TV on social media, so follow us and talk with us. Please follow us. We're begging you, please. <laughs> so, what we're going to get into today... Well, we Just, gotta we gotta introduce our fourth chair. He always yeah. does this. Yeah. He's always like he's always waiting he's for his waiting intro, for but he never writes in his own <laughs> intro into it. So he's like, when, when am I gonna be introduced? See, I we was also have intro you first, and then him. We have producer TD as well joining us because, as always, if we're talking any superhero stuff, we need to have our superhero expert in the room, TD. What is happening, guys? First of all, I, I just want to say that it's podcast etiquette to wait until you're introduced. If you're not a staple <laughs> on the show. Um, you gotta wait until you introduce mm. for it. Who's this random voice out of nowhere? But like, I'm saying you're a part of the rundown. You can you can throw your name out. Pinky is up right now. Yeah, but <laughs> you know, I help out. But no, like I love the idea. You're of the again. boss. You're eyeing it. <laughs> Reintroducing, you know, to first time listeners because obviously this is a growing show. But as, as is the case, we're gonna have first time listeners. So I come in every now and then and talk superhero movies. But mm -hmm. also, I'm kind of like the show's villain. That's the role and character <laughs> that I'm trying to <laughs> the figure EP. out. You know, you're, I'm to, you're the Darth Vader that. of and, yeah, and I feel like my superpower because I'm sort of a big sports radio fan is yeah. to like make terrible sports puns and sports like comparisons. <laughs> That's like, that definitely is, so. I'm gunning for more like bad sports puns than uh, more times than Dane says rat. I'm, I'm I am going to win that battle. That is my goal on this episode. That would be rad. <laughs> He's up one zero. So what we got coming up for all of you listening? Uh, we have a movie recap, as always, which is going to be Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Uh, the movie prep that we're going to do for you this week is Dark Phoenix. And at the top of the show, what we're going to get into right now is hot takes. So this is a segment where we react to three trending topics in film that happened this week. Yes. I don't know why I ended that with a question, but yes, <laughs> it is a statement. Uh, and they are hot, the hot takes. They're, yeah, they're hot, yeah, hot some takes. confidence. So the first take that we have is that uh, Lion King posters dropped, yep. but also Beyonce. We got to hear Beyonce for the first time as Nala in a new trailer. So Spencer, take one. 
Beyonce is going to take us out of this movie. Whoa! Beyonce is going to take us out of it, man. Did you feel like you, you have a finger in your trailer? temple, like you've given this some thought? <laughs> As I say this, we haven't even released this episode yet. As I say it, I'm going to get little bees on my Instagram because Beehive is coming for me. But just like we thought for Will Smith and Aladdin, wow. we were scared that we were just going to completely see Will Smith and not see Genie. Yeah, I'm not sure I'll be able to see Nala and not just be like, "That's Beyonce." I'm, I'm. Taking so it took you out of it. Just yeah. hearing her voice was just like, "Oh man." Yeah. Okay. Because I, I can, because I can feel her. Voice acting. Whereas it's different with the genie, you're kind of looking at Will Smith in some regard, so you can kind of relate to what you're seeing. But here, you're like, well, I'm I understand what you're saying. I'm hoping that seeing Nala, not seeing, obviously, it's not Beyonce juxtaposed on a on a lion's face like Genie was. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I just hope that her voice acting won't take me out of it. Okay, Queen. I, that's what it is. You know, formation, everything. Give us a good product, please. And for I those, you. and for those who haven't heard, here's what that beginning uh, trailer clip sounds like. Simba, you have to take your place as king. Just a little snippet. I am bothered by the as king as line. King. It just sounds like. She, why are you bothered? Why are you that? bothered by that? It's just so like it's, it's, she's trying too hard. Okay. You know, what's that just, one music video that she it's like the music experience or whatever it sounds like she's reading for that yeah it was it lemonade, was it lemonade? It, yeah, yeah, yeah I think it's like she's yeah. it sounds like she's reading for that it, it, no it's exactly like she's right. reading for dramatic effect yeah. instead of just voice acting I get it. and knowing that's I mean at the end of the day like all she's doing is voice acting and we don't know how much voice acting she's done it's mm. completely different than acting on yeah, camera. Yeah, it is. It's always weird to see that, too. Like, I was watching a B-roll for, like, Lego Movie and all these people. They never even really see each other. So half yeah. the time, they don't really get to interact, and you don't really know what you're working with. So I think that's really interesting. But I am somewhat hyped at the idea of Gambino and Beyonce singing together on screen. I'm hyped for Gambino, but is Nala about to get her own song? Nala's going to release an album. It'll be great. <laughs> they'll, they'll do another Just the way they did Jasmine. Kneel they down, gave her her own song. I'm Speechless. Or Speechless, is that what yeah, it was speechless, called? Yeah, Speechless, which I loved, by the way. Just putting that out there. Yeah, yeah, you said that. What, uh, what I think will happen is also Nala will get her own song, and she'll also have a few more moments. Yeah. Exactly, right? Yeah, so yeah. More character building. We'll obviously do a prep episode for Lion King when that drops, and I'm on that episode too, just to let you know. But Because <laughs> um, Lion King is the greatest thing ever. But um, yes, I think Nala is definitely going to have a good five-minute scene that is bonus additional for, from the original yeah. animated, right? Mm -hmm. Just kind of focused on her. Quick question. In seeing Lion King, seeing all the trailers coming out, there are and big the names. Posters. There, yeah. And the posters. There are big names attached to this. The fact that it's all voice acting... Did Disney need big name actors to voice these characters, mm. or or should they have gone after just the best voice actors that are out right now? Do you need Seth Rogen as Pumbaa? I want to see Seth Rogen as Pumbaa. I mean, that's like I don't think I need Beyonce. To me, that's Nala. perfect. I no, I need... no, I don't think you needed. I don't think you needed that. But I think it was also them wanting to do it. I mean, who wouldn't want to be a part of that? And I feel like Beyonce, like you want to play Nala? Fuck yeah, <laughs> I want to play Nala. That'd be rad. Okay. Number two, number two. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I get that. The character posters actually kind of caught me. Like, I was really interested in those too, because it was like straight up mug shots, and they actually got a lot of shit. Yeah, like people like didn't they were like Pumbaa's a nightmare. Nightmare that thing fuel. would scare the hell it. out of me. I fucking I, he's a he's a wild warhog. That's why I'm at last week saying like like Lilo and Stitch going real live action. Yeah. Lilo like Stitch would be terrifying. <laughs> oh yeah, that'd be. A but nightmare. he's supposed to be a nightmare. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Exactly. But. Uh, I mean, I, I like the character posters, those uh, 
They did. They did it for everybody. They did like an adult Simba. They did a baby Simba. Um, I, I cool. wonder. I wonder if Lion King is going to have the same turnout that a movie like Black Panther is going to have because technically this is a black film, mm-hmm. predominantly black cast. John so. John John Candy's in it, right? Who else is in it? Uh, well, James Earl Jones, James, of course. James Earl Jones, oh, dude. That's yeah. Yeah. movie matters. That's yeah. crazy. The original. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. That's the greatest. Funny. The greatest fictional father in movie history. <laughs> I guess. Don't vo- at me. I guess voices yeah, I, don't age. <laughs> Um, one quick thing to point out: I mean, John Farver had has come out recently talking about how great this cast is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is. I do think Lion King is such a big thing on, by itself that you almost have to have an A A plus cast. Mm-hmm. Like that's how you get a Beyonce to show up, yeah. right? Because yeah. of how big this property already was. And I think I don't know if you get that. You might get a better performance and definitely better than as King. But you know, you might not get that that big event movie, which I think this is shaping up to be. Um, super quick, though, uh, Beyonce's sort of movie resume. Um, and obviously, she's been in, she was in Goldfinger, Goldmember. Uh, Goldmember. <laughs> and Dreamgirls. I'm going to guess the Dreamgirls, and I'm going to guess the only person who's also seen this is Spencer. But did you ever see Carmen a Hip Hopper? Yeah. yeah. With Most Def and... Um, yeah. who, was, who was also in? Was T Diggs yeah. in there? No, it wasn't T Diggs. But... Who we, it, friend of the show? T- friend of the show, I know. Friend of the pod. But it was essentially, it's like it sounds, a hip hopper. Rock um, David was in it. It's a crazy cast. Um, might be the best thing she's done. Wait, when was this? What year was this? This was 01. Damn. 01. Yeah. That was like. This was. You do you remember? Oh, well, that was because she, she got to like fully be herself. She got to just sing. Like it wasn't uh, like yeah. full on acting, yeah. which I don't think she's really good at. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I rewatched Goldmember in the past like year of my life, and it's. Horrendous. You know, you Austin Powers remember. has not aged well. Just saying that. Just speaking that of movies in the past, let's go on to take Whoa. number two. Ford <laughs> <laughs> v Ferrari. Speaking of events from the past, a uh, new trailer for that just dropped. So Dane, take two. Crazy Christian Bale. I'm for <laughs> it. He's a nut. It's like Jason Bateman vibes, or not Bateman? Uh, yeah, from American Psycho. What's it? What's is it Bateman? Not Jason Bateman. Patrick that's the actor. Bateman. Patrick Bateman. Yeah, Pat, my bad. Yeah, my yeah, bad. Yeah. I always get that confused. Patrick Bateman, the guy. Um, and like from uh, the Fighter, he he always like dives into these roles and yeah. turns like just these crazy performances around. Um, for Ford versus Ferrari, yeah, he lost seventy pounds for yeah. the machine. What? No, from no, for from, this. Vice, for this. from Vice, from Vice to Ford v Ferrari. Yeah, I mean, he yeah, had, he had seven months to lose that seventy pounds. And when Matt Damon was commenting on the movie, he says Christian Bale had a like monk like focus because he asked him, "How are you able to do this?" Because he packed on X amount for Vice. We all know he like literally transformed his entire body. Yeah, and only has seven months to lose that seventy pounds, but. It's just insane what he goes through. Puts his. He said after Vice that he probably wasn't going to do something this drastic. He said it was affecting his health. But he might be like addicted to acting, addicted to this type of acting, to where like he has to be his best version by going through some type of crazy, you know, transformative. And I know he's addressed this a million times, but like that one time on Terminator Salvation where he like snapped on that. um, It was like a grip or something. Like Mm -hmm. forgetting the way. Like I feel like that dude. Just if I'm on set. I'm walking like I'm tiptoeing on glass because like that guy would scare the living shit out of me just like how method and how routine he is with yeah, his stuff. So locked in. I don't want to like walk into a room when he's reciting lines as, as this fucking dude. <laughs> like I don't want to get in his way. I feel he's a type of talent that doesn't look into like the the crew's eyes. Like don't look into my eyes. Like I'm yeah. not, you know, I'm well, a that's a whole level. thing on set. Yeah. When you're a crew is you're not supposed to be in the eye line of the actors anyway. So that's just like bullshit. But, but yeah, but normally they're not like they won't call you out for it. Yeah. But now 
this is this is Christian Bale. Obviously, we know his resume is fucking stacked. But do you give that same leeway for a lesser known actor? Because like, if you know Christian Bale is crazy, you're gonna fucking avoid him. No, like if Michael Sarah tells me to not look at him, I'm gonna like be like, <laughs> you're fucking rude. No, probably like, not. I'm the captain now. But like, let's think like someone like I'm the cap- I'm the captain now. Look at me, sure. I'm the captain now. Uh, no, but I mean Christian Bale just also probably because I just respect the shit out of his work so much like but I also I also wonder if, if crew members if they know it's like oh that's just Christian Bale being Christian Bale and they put up with him potentially being an asshole I don't know I don't really know too many stories of of him being you an know asshole you know what's set. funny besides yeah. that one well besides besides the one but if somebody's that great of an actor do they have more leeway with being the asshole on set I I mean I guess in certain ways but at the end of the day if you're an asshole you're an asshole yeah so I mean you know he's doing great work and stuff like that but to me, I'm always a, a. It's not an excuse to be a dickhead. <laughs> I don't know, and we've we've seen it on set before. Sometimes where like people are very naive and they want to approach actors or people, yeah, and they don't really know how to do it, and they do it in somewhat of a kind of not in a very well put manner, yeah, and it doesn't go the way they thought, and they're like, "Why'd that happen?" It's like, well, these people are so routine; they have their way of doing things. Yeah, it happens all the time. Quick question and again, first time listeners. Obviously, these guys produce the show All American and CW. Check it out on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, Daniel Ezra is your lead on that show, yes. right? With uh-huh. Tate Diggs as well. Um, is that something you guys can sense when the cameras aren't rolling? Like, who's the top dog? Like, the, is there is it is it almost like a locker room? Is mm. it you know again sports pun? I got one, yeah. one, one. Um, is yeah. it? Do you feel that? Might have two yeah. different takes on this. But go so ahead, for for me, like. Tay Diggs is, is top billing on the show. Yeah, Just for sure. Yeah, his resume yeah. speaks for itself. So when he goes off on his own, sometimes there are times where you're like, you know what, I can talk to him right now because we have maybe an extended break, or if I see him talking to other people, then he's more approachable. And it's in his DNA to talk to people. Like he's just a fun-loving guy, as you know. He was on the show a couple a couple weeks yep. ago. Friend of the show. But mm-hmm. with it, just comes down to personality. Like I know when when Daniel has his music on, his headphones on, that's him getting into character. So. Mm-hmm. I want to stay as far away from him as possible because I know me and him have talked before of me telling him, go make the character you want to make. Go make Spencer a new version. Don't try to rely on myself. But other guys like like Michael, Michael's running post routes like in between takes. He'll Mike, talk to Michael Evans Bailey and Jordan Baker, the yeah. quarterback. Yeah. Friend of the show. Yeah. Another friend, friend of the Friend yeah. of the show. Yeah. So it's just a matter of, of the type of person they are, what it takes for them to get into the role and you have to respect it because you know they're giving you a product. It's, it's personal space. It's acknowledging yeah. that you see somebody, you can read that, you know, usually with how they're conducting themselves on set. And it's like, should I bother them now or later? And yeah. you usually can figure that out. Um, at least we can. Well, we'll know. lean on the side of not bothering you until we know it's okay to bother you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I probably I probably would feel a little better bothering Tay and Daniel, not Christian Bale. Yeah. <laughs> so when Christian Bale does his cameo in season two of All American. <laughs> Just you know. real quick, I want to come back since... We originally started, and this is great. I'm glad we were talking about this because it's the insights that, you know, listening to this podcast you get uh, that you don't normally get on other this podcasts. This is also the ongoing battle between me, and Matt, and myself. He's trying to stay on script. I'm just trying to mess it up, me and the villain. Totally. So hey, it's, this is it's villain. an ongoing thing. Um, <laughs> real quick, before we move on, I want to, anything about Ford v. Ferrari that you're like? James Mangold. Yeah, James Mangold, who did uh, Logan. Um, yeah. You know, he's he's awesome. I, I He did uh, Walk the Line. Um, the trailer looked great to me. Yeah, it did. did. You know, and uh, Christian Bale is playing actually a British, but he's like an American sports car enthusiast for Ford. Yep. For Ford, and they basically want to go up against Ferrari. Yeah. And you know, they didn't disclose too much in the in the trailer, mm-hmm. but from what I saw, 
I love that opening shot of him just kind of laying on the track, talking to his, uh, whether it's his kid or his boy or whatever. It looked beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I'm excited. I'm excited. But this reminds me of Rush, the movie that yes. came out in what, you, 2013. You saw Rush. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah. I, Rush I really was, liked, I really like Rush. Liked it. Yeah, yeah, really yeah. Liked it. That's your boy, uh, Daniel Brühl, Baron yeah. Zemo. Yeah, Zemo. <laughs> yeah. Top, top three Marvel Zemo villain versus right Thor, there. man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Top three Marvel villain right He's there. He's going to be in the Bucky Falcon series. Get off topic. I'm with Just letting you know. But this, I mean, naturally, this is going to draw comparisons to the movie Rush with Daniel Brühl and, and Chris Hemsworth. So I like that movie. I can't wait for this movie to come out. And then we'll be on here discussing which one was better, potentially. Crazy Christian Bale. <laughs> Third take that I want to get into has to do with sports. Ayo, Spicy. I'm here for this. So there was some recent news. Uh, well, it's not recent. It it was a video that resurfaced with Rob Palinka back in 2018 on Dwayne The Rock Johnson's uh, YouTube channel. We can we can actually uh, play a little clip from this right now just to tee you guys up on what that sound was. I remember just a really quick story. There was one time when Kobe, who I worked with for 18 years, was going back to play in Madison Square Garden, and he had just seen The Dark Knight. Obviously, you guys saw that movie. And he's like, hey, hook me up with dinner with Heath Ledger because he got so locked into that role. I want to know how he mentally went there. And so we had dinner with Heath, and he talked about how he locks in for a role, and Kobe used some of that in his game. Kobayashi. So... (laughs) Spencer, you want to you want to take oh I, TD? Uh, let me sub me in, coach. Think TD, sub me in, coach. TD, sub me in. Hey, tag team, go. TD, sub me in. Take three. This is so on brand for Kobe Bryant, and that's why he hasn't come out and denied this. I don't think it's true, but we all know Kobe, Black Mamba, getting locked in, watching lions on the hunt. Like this is so on brand for him. And that's probably why Rob Palenka even told the story. Like, it, it makes sense. It sounds like something Kobe would do. Um, and because Kobe is the one guy who could squash this all. He can come mm-hmm. out and say it's true or it's not true. And 100%. he just, he's nope, the fifth. I, nope, tinfoil hat moment. I think Kobe sees the fire, the fucking wreckage that the Lakers have become. And he's staying far away from it. He's like, I'm not giving you guys a soundbite. You guys go down on your own accord. Rob Palenka, I don't know how you got into the front office. I got you into the front office, essentially, and you haven't done anything since. I actually think Rob Palenka might get fired within the next year off the strength of this video. I don't, think, I don't think Kobe's going to say anything. Kobe's not saying anything. I think he's going to be like, fuck, like, whatever. They can fuck it. They can girls basketball. It he's living in Corona Del Mar. Doing detail. Like, yeah. The dude's living a life. He's not getting tied into this Laker bullshit. That's no, happening. no, no. So, a couple things. Okay. Is it possible? Is there any sliver of a chance that Kobe could have seen any sort of bit of Heath Ledger's acting? Because Heath was had passed away six months prior. Six, six months, months prior to the movie yeah, coming months. out. Is there anything? Is there any way it was possible? Tenfold hat moment for me. I think that celebrities are an A list. Like we talk about Beyonce, you talk about the Kobe, you talk about LeBrons. That they have some premium movie service. We have no insight into. By no, the way, this with is speculation. LeBron. This is all. Com- this is all speculation, speculation that they have this like A list, like this you know AMC A list that's just super high end, and they can see movies at home and early. That's my theory. They still have to pay the the box office ticket. You're For saying? sure, they, I mean, it's way more expensive. Well, than I box find that hard to believe between Kobe Bryant and Heath Ledger. Yes, I don't. I don't buy that. Just. I, because of the time. Yeah, it was 2007. Yeah. I don't I don't believe that. 
and, and it, I, I think that's I think that videos bullshit and, and a lot of people have been like well was it a is he mistaken about the movie but it's like you're not referencing a knight's tale or something like that if heath ledger's performance is like this is the performance oh right? it's definitely and I yo think, i saw a knight's tale and i had to connect <laughs> right and that's, that's what i'm saying no and it's and it's such a testament to heath ledger's per performance right exactly it's such a testament to his performance however we've been in those in the locker room in the clubhouse yeah. when for those conversations, right? The genius talks that when they bring in an, an expert or someone who is from another industry, an expert in another industry, mm -hmm. and as a player, you're like, what am I doing there? Right? Mm -hmm. No, no, this is this yeah. is real. You're like, it's after practice or it's before you're practice. Tired. You're exhausted and you're like, what? You're on your time now. Exactly. And you're like, what am I doing here? So what the general managers and coaches will do <laughs> is they'll tell you, like a, a story like, oh, for us, it was like, oh, Buster Posey used to do X, Y and Z. And this is why we're having that person in here. Yeah. Is that the same? Is that what Rob Plink is trying to do here? This is what this is why I call bullshit on this whole entire story <laughs> is because you got to go back to who directed this movie. Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan has been notorious at being secretive of his projects. So you're telling me you're going to give leeway to somebody six months before the movie even premiered? Six months before the movie premiered, it's probably not even being perfectly scored yet. It's probably not final, uh, not in final edits. There's still so much floating around. And mind you, this is six, like Heath, Leather, Heath Ledger died six months before the movie came out. Not, we don't know when Rob Palinka says he saw the movie, so it could have been even even further out from that and, or closer. Yeah. As an as an athlete, like yes, there are services that we get that aren't known to the public. Like specifically, if anybody wants to hack the website, there's a website called NikeElite.com. That's where all uh, professional players get their shoes for free from Nike. So out there, <laughs> hack the website. I'm yep. a size 13. I'll send you my address <laughs> in the DMs if you guys get in. But there's stuff like that for Gatorade too, right? I've seen that exactly. around athletes. Like they, they Gatorade actually still. We have Chris, who's an editor, composers running the session. He's a big Gatorade fan. He still drinks Gatorade in 2019. Yeah. It's However, a terrible though, drink unless you're <laughs> working out in the moment. But I've seen products that are not on the market specifically just for athletes. Yeah. So they do make stuff that they market. It's just not for the general consumer. I was a big fan like of Chris. Faderade. <laughs> In high school, you know, walked into the gym. What do you got? Lemon lime. But we also we also have to talk about the other side of this coin when you're talking about Kobe Bryant. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. in the past 10, 15 years, there hasn't been an athlete more locked in than Kobe. So for me to sit here and say, wow, Kobe really reached out to Heath Ledger I don't to learn, it. Out, no. learn so how to lock in. It's like, Kobe, you are the definition of locked in at this point. And yeah. what what was this? 2007. Because Dark Knight came out in 08. Yeah. This is prime Kobe. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm not I'm so, not believing the so, story. To be clear, you're saying Kobe was already super locked in. He doesn't need to be reaching out to know. I don't like. think he even fucking reached out. I think he yeah. probably said some shit like, "Oh, that like I hear he's doing crazy stuff. Like I bet it's a good movie." And but, no, because even what this movie is too. You're right. Nolan's not gonna. He was making The Dark Knight, like yes. off yeah. of Batman Begins. Yeah. MCU wasn't around. None of this shit was around. Avatar hadn't come out. This was the biggest thing at that time. But this is why I think Rob. Palinka, and I'm going to say his full fucking name so nobody forgets It's Palenka. Palenka. I'm calling him Palenka. Palenka? <laughs> but for me, when you think about being in that moment, you're standing in front of your entire Laker team. Mm -hmm. Right across from you is Dwayne The Rock Johnson. You're probably standing there like, man, I, I need to exude some sort of power. I don't have anything interesting about me going on right now. Let me tell a story that makes me feel compelled. The little name drop. I, I, you sound like you've been working in Hollywood dropped, for a little. He dropped the 18 years thing. I worked with him for 18 years. Yeah, that to me was the sign. Was right, like, oh, for you're sure. Just trying and, to plant your flag. Okay, yeah, that. But 
I do uh, think he was like trying that. to basically say, like, this is why you guys are sitting here right now to his players. Yep. I think that's really what it was, is, like, he made up a story yeah. just to let the guys know, like... And, and it's not... Like you said, it is on brand for Kobe to do that because d- back during his playing day, like, he's been on record saying, like, yeah, I was making my connections. I was learning yep. in the film industry before I even won an Oscar. Like, I didn't just overnight win an Oscar. Yeah. Yeah. Couple of quick things there. So I've been around folks who work with Kobe enough to know that he legitimately is like learning. Like he just didn't jump Absolutely. on one day, put money behind it, and try to make it happen. He's legitimately super fascinated in entertainment and content, and that's what he's doing and has proven in the last couple of years. Um, other fun facts. So uh, Ryan Khalil, who used to just retire from the Panthers, mm-hmm. I uh, once went to Comic Con with Ryan Khalil, and mm. during that summer he was interning for Legend Pictures, uh, Legendary. It was Legend- Legendary. 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 Yeah, and. Obviously, they were a part of the production crew for Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises, and he talked about he hasn't at that time they were shooting Dark Knight Rises, I believe, and it's like he hadn't seen shit at all because it was so so on lockdown, like it was oh, FBI level security. Rises which, even more so. Yeah, it was that was the first version of Endgame. Don't spoil the Endgame or what we saw with like Game of Thrones. It's like when you're just absolutely going to all kinds of crazy lengths to avoid spoilers. So it's it would be really really hard for Kobe. No matter who he is, to get a six month early uh, advance mm-hmm. on the movie. So and and to think about that time, what two thousand seven? You said correct. It came out in 08, so yeah, this, this would have been a seven, college. early eight. Yeah, this was in the era of when movies were trying their hardest not to leak shit out. Yeah. Now we're in the time where you know with the the Joker production that's going on right now. You see, it, we're yeah. seeing pictures every single week yeah. of of the cast, of the set, whatever of. So it's all social media promotion. I, I, now. I yeah. saw a, a link today said full Joker plots leaks, yep. and I'm like, yep. I'm not clicking on that shit. I stayed away. I saw yeah. that last night. I Christopher away. Nolan, 2007, Dark Knight. You're not seeing that until it actually fucking. Finishes. One very yeah. quick question before Matt Parade just absolutely destroyed me with his, <laughs> his fuming outside of my headphones right his now. I raise right now. If you now. can check out on two YouTube, or three, pop, this is for Spencer. During your time in the NFL, did either the Dolphins or Giants ever like have someone come in there and do a genius talks like the Lakers did with the the Rock? Yeah, we we've had a few uh, obviously lesser known speakers. We yep. even had um, movie premieres in our facility. So Hmm. things like that happen, but it's usually when that event is taking place maybe a week or two out. Gotcha. And that usually happens around fall camp when they're just trying to boost morale because everybody's beat to shit. And if if you forgot, NikeElite.com. Right. (laughs) That's how I felt about Dare growing up. (laughs) (laughs) But what do you guys think? Let us know on social media at Film Study Pod. Let us know what you think of the Ford v. Ferrari trailer, the Beyonce as Nala trailer in the posters, as well as is this Rob Planka, Kobe thoughts. news, BS. Uh, we're going to move on now to the movie prep segment of this show. We're going to get you ready for the new installment of the X-Men franchise, maybe the last installment. Of Fucking the- hope so. <laughs> Dark Phoenix. <laughs> Did you hear what the kids are calling you? Phoenix. So, okay. little little quick synopsis of Dark Phoenix uh, takes place after X Men Apocalypse, uh, and it is Jean Grey begins to develop incredible powers that corrupt and turn her into the Dark Phoenix. Now the X Men will have to decide if the life of a team member is worth more than all the people living in the world. Already, that just sounds like a logline I'm not in for. It's clearly not. um, 
it was hard like finding cool shit for this movie. Yeah. It was it was it was pretty hard. I got some things, but this is gonna be a fun one. I, I so, well, so so okay, so what do you got? What what are some of the fun things that you found? Well, one thing is in in talking and, about well and sorry, just to make it clear to again, first time listeners, we're not trying to spoil any of this. No, no, right? no. This no, is no. just going into the movie to get you super excited. We're not doing any crazy speculation. So we're just gonna have fun conversations. This is our water this cooler talk on these Exactly. Films. This yeah. is yeah. everything and, getting you ready so that when you're in the car on the way to the movie theater, you can be like, Oh, like this is like a cool thing that I learned on a podcast. And you actually don't even need to say that you learned. I walked to the movie theater, by the way, just letting you know. Oh, Light wow. flex. It's pre yeah. it's pregame prep. You go yeah. in, you have an idea of what you're gonna see, and I feel like we have all that down. So we send this take to away each other what you want all yeah. week, like yeah. little tidbits about movies and get the aha moment. Doesn't mean we're right, doesn't mean we're wrong. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. we're super wrong. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. we're sometimes right. But never know. But in in, in looking up what uh, Dark Phoenix potentially will be the history of it. Mm -hmm. I always grew up thinking, because again, I'm not that big into the X-Men comic book world, but I did watch the the animated show. Great animated series in the early 90s. One of the greatest theme theme songs. The first first, uh, cinematic universe. Like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. A, it's really is the reason why we have the superhero like cinema like we do. Remember now. Silver Surfer would like pop in and shit. <laughs> yeah. He'd just like surf in. He'd be like, "What up?" But I mean, <laughs> you know, I always thought Jean Grey was synonymous with Phoenix. You know, because it, it's the whole storyline is her trying to like, you know, silence this deep dark energy inside her until mm -hmm. um, you know she unleashes it. We saw her unleash it at the end of X Men Apocalypse. But in me doing my research, I should have known this earlier, but. The Phoenix Force is described as being the embodiment of a very passionate form of creation. It's the spark that gave life to the universe and the flame that will ultimately consume it. So Damn. This, this is essentially like what kicked off the universe, apparently. That's one storyline that I read. So I think that the Phoenix Force itself will, will be really cool, but there's a tie to the exorcist with this. Mm. Did you guys know that? No. I know you. I know we've all did our, our little bit of research. <laughs> no, I want to hear what what's the tie. Sure. Yeah. So uh, Jim Shooter, uh, and this this was years ago, back when they were doing the Uncanny X Men issue one thirty five in the final. All work. right, all right. Yeah, you know, I'm <laughs> dropping okay. numbers here. You know, doing my research, but in looking at the development of the storyline, there was a storyline where Jean Grey consumed an entire solar system to kind of replenish herself, but. Um, Jim uh, Scalacrup, again, I'm going to butcher names. That's, that's what, what we do on that's the what show. That's what we do here on, on Film Study. Uh, Jim Scalacrup was in charge of creating that storyline for her, and Jim Shooter actually shot it down because they felt like, how could Jean Grey consume an entire solar system, essentially mm -hmm. committing genocide, killing 5 billion people, or 5 billion species in total, and the X-Men just walking, welcoming her back in? Yeah. So Jim Scalacrup's uh, defense to that was, well, think about The Exorcist. When little girl was uh, um, possessed by a Basically demon. Basically a demon. Three or four people get killed, and at the end of the movie, she's cured. And it's like, wait, we're not going to try to kill the little girl. You can separate the demon from the little girl and know that the demon killed those people, not the little girl. Bucky vibes. So <laughs> Exactly. But that was, you know, that was essentially Jim Scalacrup versus Jim Shooter's uh, you know, you know, conflicting ideas because Jim Shooter said you can't differentiate Jean Grey from Phoenix. They are one entity. Yep. But Jim Scalacrep said, no, you can and you have to because Jean Grey is a good person. It's just the Phoenix Force energy. The dark Phoenix Force energy is what's compelling her to do these terrible things. Okay. 
So that's super fascinating, right? It, you know, there is definitely a complication here. There's a struggle here, which all good stories need to need for it to, for for them to be good, right? But with X Men, and obviously this is the Marvel, this is the Fox version of uh, of Marvel, which this is the you know final movie in you know in their series. They've tried this multiple times, yes, right? So like, um, they've you know, like LeBron once said, right? They've tried this not one, not two, not three, not four. Yeah, I mean, they tried it with Last Stand. Yeah, they also this movie was set to release last year. They pushed it back and did some reshoots. It was supposed to release earlier this year. They pushed it back and did some reshoots, and then now it's finally releasing on Friday. It, so it's like that's four times essentially they've kind of gone back to the drawing board with the exact same story. And yes, super complicated. I'm hoping to get it right. I have my reservations, and we'll get into that. Here's here's why I'm excited. I X Men Last Stand was directed by Brett Ratner. That's a dog shit movie. <laughs> I hated it. They had like a weird love triangle with Wolverine, where you're like, like yep. he's like, I love you, and it's like, yeah, dude, then come on. <laughs> and um, you know, the first two X Men I really loved, and that was when it kind of started going off the rails. Yeah. And yeah. With this, you know, I I was watching an interview last night, and they were kind of alluding to it that it may not be as bad as people think, which I'm really hoping for. I'm starting to think it won't be as bad as I, I don't think, think it's going to be as bad. Because be you bad. know what? I feel like they did. They have taken the time and, you know, they have put some love into it. Like, I I just can't believe how good Charles Xavier looks after 40 years yeah. through, <laughs> through all these Not movies. a fucking wrinkle. Or, or Magneto. At but all. The, the thing about that storyline, um, it was Chris Claremont and John Byrne and that those were two really uh, big comic book writers and that kind of like the infinity gauntlet for you know marvel this was a really big arc for the x-men it was like their this, thing yes and what i think is about to happen is once we get through dark phoenix is and once they integrate back into the mcu like do you remember how fucking big the x-men were yeah. like they were, the, it was they were the, it. and that was all people cared about yeah. and yeah. i feel like there's gonna be a resurgence after Dark Phoenix, once they get back into the MCU, they'll have to let but, it breathe, though. But they'll years. have to, and I hope they you do. Five years already come out and pretty much said that. I just want yeah. this to be a fun. Like I just don't want this to be like a pile of junk. That's all. I, I just I want it to be respectful. You know, kind of send off Simon Kimberg, who has been, worked with these movies since the first one. Yep, his as fine, a writer, his first yep. directing stint. Jennifer Lawrence said the only reason he, she was coming back is if you came because I guess it was such a shitty, uh, toxic set with Singer. Um, shocker, but um, well, I mean, I just hope it's not a train wreck because there's so many like like aspects of this that like weren't working and they had to figure out. Yeah, and so you know, I, I'm excited. for I it. mean, Jennifer Lawrence, she said she wasn't going to come back. Yeah, her yep. and Magneto. Yeah, um, they said they weren't supposedly. Fassbender yep. was. They weren't supposedly supposed to to be shown in this film, but she had a change of heart mm -hmm. because she knew that this would be the last installment that potentially she was going to be a part of. Obviously, with the merger coming in, coming through, it looks like that's going to come true. But, you know, I'm getting kind of excited to see it just because, for me, I want them to tear the whole shit apart. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, it being potentially their, their last release. Hans Zimmer is scoring the movie, yes. which is fucking dope. Stole I, my thunder. So <laughs> yeah. But yeah. yeah, which is so interesting he's doing that. I mean, yes. apparently he retired from doing superhero movies. After working with Zack Snyder for so, you know. On do you those. think he was like, I want to go off with a bang, like with these X-Men movies? I just want to do something special. I, I think he kind of. I hope. I, cause the news with him was he retired after BVS, I think, or yeah. Justice League. I uh, you know, Batman v Superman. Yeah. And... After a couple of years not doing it, he signed up for not just this, but he's also doing Wonder Woman in 1984. Mm -hmm. uh, um, so I think he just kind of took a break. Right? So he's just like, he's like, like MJ. He's like, well, he's like oh. Jay-Z in the early 2000s. Like, I'm retiring, but I'm going to just do features. 
Exactly. Yeah. Or yeah, like yeah, MJ93. Yeah. Like yeah. There's yeah, a yeah. lot of people who've retired before. So <laughs> Yeah. I get that. Well, I mean I, I'm I I just hope it's a proper send off. I mean the stars look fucking over it. We talked about that I think on the first yeah. pad. Like, yeah. we went over like the, the first episode. Like then, Jennifer Lawrence is just like And that was definitely part of her deal, right? Is yeah. that I'll come back. I'm barely in it. But I'm barely in it and I'm not putting on the makeup. Exactly. And yeah. she has that, like, the powder yeah. blue instead of, yeah. like, the dark, deep blue. Because those prosthetics take a while yep. to yeah. put on. Remember, but, those, but, remember those fun stick candies? They used to have, like, the powder <laughs> with, yep. like, the... With the chalk thing, yep. it looks like they just mixed that with some. That was water like straight up. Those were like that was crack. That shit was crack. <laughs> fun, yeah. fun dip? No, not fun. It was dip. fun. It wasn't Pixie fun sticks dip? and fun dip. I mean, it's damn near the same thing. <laughs> Whatever. It was like let's, baby let's crack. Fun dip, let's fun dip back into the topic. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Hey, oh, that was good. Good um, for you. But they did have, like you said, they did have some reshoots. Uh, yeah, they, they had shot twice yeah. because they said the whole third act. They said after a recent movie, you know, air quotes, a recent movie came out. That was eerily the same as the ending to X Men Dark. Captain Marvel. Exactly. Exactly. It's I just like think something's going around in the room. It's yeah, like no. when when they were when they were designing what the Phoenix will look like around Jean Grey. Initially, it was supposed to be fire. Like you know, the idea of a Phoenix is like a firebird rising yep. from the ashes. Yeah. And can and can like kill everything she wants, but also create it. So. When they went through the reshoots, they turned it more into a cosmic energy. They heard that uh, Samuel L. Jackson Captain line, Marvel. you know you're glowing, right? <laughs> yeah. It's all binary. But I think, you know, they even changed the ending of it. Uh, Jessica Chastain came out and right. said uh, that her character in that third act gets way better based off of what she shot originally. So yeah. I think nice. there is a cosmic element to this. That's uh, an interesting casting, too. I mean, yeah. I'm excited uh, Chastain's on board. Yeah. The one thing I'd say, and I know Matt has a few things on the uh, just the third act change, but as far as the cast goes, like I would like, I think the X-Men movies have had as good as cast as any other superhero movies. Absolutely. Like they've never like Michael Fassbender, James McAvoy, Jessica Chastain, Jennifer Lawrence, like Nicholas Holt, like. These are top level actors and actresses, and it's just sad that they, you know, they don't seem to have that fun and camaraderie on set like the yeah. Avengers do. Yeah. Like, no, they don't. And you know, it's, I, I'm it's watching. I'm watching them. the yes. trailer and the previews to these things, and I'm seeing them in these like stupid ass suits, their original suits, you yeah. know, which I, I love that they're doing. But I look at it and I go, this shit looks dated. Yeah. Like we said that before, but like looking at an MCU movie compared to like what oh, they're man. doing here, I'm like, yeah. this is fucking great school. I, I would even go as far as to say is McAvoy and Fassbender in Days of Future Past, which I love and I think is my top five superhero movies. Like the work they did in First Class and that collectively might be better than any two, like including the Avengers. I think McAvoy is amazing in Days of Future Past, like mm-hmm. absolutely amazing how he plays that role of like, you know, Howard Hughes, Nine Inch Nails, he's giving up his powers and it comes back and then Fastbender's is just great. I'm a big fast. Fastbender's fan. great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. that was such, he would have been amazing at Magneto in the MCU. He would have done. Yeah. He's, I wanted them to do a solo film with him so bad. Yeah. Did we mention Sir Patrick Stewart also being in the X-Men franchise? That's another yeah. like major, major Ian actor. McKellen. Ian McKellen. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Halle Berry, not quite. Patrick um, Stewart has an age. He's been old my entire James Marshall. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> true. Patrick Stewart. Uh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. He's been bald since. I don't think he's ever had hair. I don't think he's ever had hair. <laughs> and Hugh Jackman, of course. I mean, yeah. oh yeah, oh, but oh, also shit, Wolverine. Right, also, right. Realistically, this might be the first X Men film that doesn't mention any reference Logan. to Wolverine. It, no, Logan, it will though. Hugh yeah. Jackman. It will. 
Do you think so? 100%. It's, it, to me, it's, it's going to be something where he's, you know, he's just away for the moment. Like that, yeah. like that scene in Apocalypse where he's just, they're just end up at Stryker's base. Like, they're going <laughs> to find ways to just be like, oh, there's our Logan. Oh, God. Speaking of, I mean, Oscar Isaac, like, see what, they absolutely wasted his talents. But, like, again, 100%. they never, never, like, you know, shortchange on cast. Always that tough notch cast. But yeah. even Oscar Isaac is like, Oh, I'm, I'm I'm glad I was in six hours of makeup because nobody can recognize that I was in that right. movie. Right, and, and I feel like it's it's because that this franchise isn't as campy sometimes yeah. as Marvel, and and they that's why it's fun, right? You know, you're playing a superhero, whereas in this franchise, it feels like you're trying to play it way too yeah. serious yep. and take itself too serious. Hey, yep. That like method shit though, when I would have trouble, I would laugh really hard <laughs> if Beast was trying to get all like routine and I method. Mean, but, in, but in terms of method acting, and this is one thing, I, I said it a few podcasts ago, but I don't think anybody from Game of Thrones will turn out to be a blockbuster star. I think that was their moment in time and they're going to go down as this fraternity of, of you know, cool, decent actors that kind of struck while the iron was hot. But when it comes to Sophie Turner, she actually studied mental illness in preparation for this role. Mm -hmm. So you're going to see her, again, potentially take on the Dark Phoenix moniker while attempting to go through understanding what mental illness she has. I'm with it. I'm, she, I'm down to see that. She's, she's pretty cool. I like Sophie Turner. I started a hockey game down in a bunch of wine and holding like her packs yeah. and getting it in between. And I was like, you're hardcore. Joe Jonas <laughs> was just like shaking his head. Fun fact, because I like throwing in fun facts about editor composer Chris. We know we fun. like we know we like Gatorade. He's also a huge fan of uh, of uh, Sophie Turner, massive fan of Sophie. Ah. Are you? You're like she's, are you like a, stewing because we're she's talking? She's tall, you know that. Right you know she's like six two. <laughs> he's a he's a massive hey, fan. She's tall. Did you know that? <laughs> I love See, <laughs> things you learn on film study. We get you ready. He's tall. Another fun fact about Chris: he's like five six. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. that might be an issue. Five seven. I don't know why yeah. I laughed. I, I apologize for that. Well, because I saw she's tall. Hey, I'm all for it. Can't just take her stuff. I need to just get a shirt. One, <laughs> we need to get Dane a shirt that says "Rad" and Spencer a shirt that says "I'm with it." I'm with it. There I'm, with it. I'm, I'm with it. I'm with it. Or, like or uh, line. Line. I'm with it. Or foil. He says the foil it's hat. Tin foil hat. Tin foil hat. Or just get you a tin foil. We should hat have. We need a tin foil hat. Set design. For, yeah, set design. Set design. I've been seeing it forever. <laughs> you we'll have these on YouTube. And the villain producer TD. I think we need to bring in to add some set design. Speaking of Game of Thrones. Fun fact with the X-Men franchise, they've had, in the last three movies, they've had a Game of Thrones character. And so yes. Days of Future Past, they had Peter Dinklage, who plays... Uh, uh, Bolivar Trask. Bolivar Trask, correct. Uh, in Apocalypse, they <laughs> yeah. have Sophie Turner, her yeah. debut as... Uh, um, Jean Grey. Jean Grey. And then um, New Mutants is going to come out eventually uh, at some point. With Arya. Yeah. Uh, with, Williams is yes. playing uh, Wolfbane. Yes. So they have a lot of Game of Thrones... Alum, and maybe they're not. But you know big. what? But you know what? We it goes back to like they try to make these people movie stars. Yeah. And sometimes it's not working, and with that particular show, I don't see it working. But the way like, Amelia Clark and Solo, ugh, yeah, you know, like yeah. Jon Snow and anything I've seen him outside of it, <laughs> Kit Harrington. I'm sorry. Yeah, but I think what their strategy there is like attaching them to like known properties. One hundred percent. You know, and it's yeah. like, oh, hopefully they bring on their fan base. Like, I mean, we talked about Beyonce and Lion King, and the fact that she, yeah, yeah, here's a crazy point we forgot to mention. This video clip got released on her YouTube channel first. This is Lion King, That's Disney. And it's like, no, Beyonce, actually, you put this out on your YouTube That's channel. That's Will, Will Disney, Sith's, I got it. Will Sith's Smith set the precedent exactly. for that. Exactly. Yep. The Rock I mean, and, and whatnot. Beyonce well. might be the only person in the world that has a bigger following than the Lion King that's, in yeah. general. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Or the only person insane. who has a bigger following than Disney yeah. in general. <laughs> As king. 
Okay, let's talk. Let's talk about the director a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Simon Kimberg. I'm I'm excited for this because after doing some research on him, he's done some pretty good films. Like he, he did yeah. X Men: Days of Future Past. He produced Logan. He produced um, uh, actually he's he wrote a Twilight Zone. Uh, Jordan Peele reboot episode. He's directing one as well. He wrote This Means War. Remember mm-hmm. that? With Chris Pine and, and Tom Hardy. And Tom Hardy. And Reese Witherspoon. Back when like Tom Hardy was trying to figure out, yeah, like, yeah, do yeah. I want to be the heartthrob or do I want to slit your throat, essentially? Yeah. So I actually like that movie. I'm a big fan of rom-com, so yeah, there it is. I know but it's cool. I'm, I'm with it. I'm, he did Jumper as well. That was another forgotten classic with Samuel L. Jackson with his uh He with did his Jumper? Yeah. That's the only movie uh, Hayden Christensen did like after Star Wars. I was a fan of so, Hayden Christensen too. Really? But for me, Simon, uh, Simon Kimberg, who's directing uh, Dark Phoenix, this is, to me, this is a win. This is a win for the production because he specifically said he took a lot of notes from, uh, from producing Logan that he poured into Dark Phoenix. So you're mm-hmm. going to get a more realistic view of what these superheroes are going through throughout this movie. And he's a straight fanboy. Yeah. You're not going to have any Sonic problems with X-Men properties like <laughs> well, that, Kimberg, you know? That, like, we've, we've seen that recently with Bumblebee, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And with uh, Phil Knight's son. What's, what's his name? Travis. Travis, Travis Knight. Travis Knight. Uh, who did Crazy. Kubo and the Two Strings, but he directed Bumblebee and was a massive Transformers fan. So when you trust fans of the show, or fans of the show, the property, whatever... To go and direct, I think that's a, a great sign that at least like you're putting it in good hands. Yeah, I mean, think of all like the shitty Batman movies in the mid '90s. <laughs> like, were they shitty though? Yes. Because I mean, back in the '90s, when you would think, but of, I will rewatch. Yeah, Mr. Freeze for his puns. Exactly. Any day. That's that was the base. See, we can't look at '90s uh, superhero movies through a 2019 lens. Of course not. It's just trial and error. But so that's just a fun that. time back. Like, all them old, all them old uh, Batman movies. To me, it was just a fun Every time, time I got in a fight, it was like a rave. But this, I mean, this is where I'm a big fan of, again, letting the fans mm-hmm. direct the movie. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you're not letting somebody off the street just come in and direct the X-Men movie. But if it's somebody that grew up with the X-Men, somebody that has written on X-Men before, that has produced it, give them the helm to create the project they want to create. You know, for so long, it felt like X-Men was trying their hardest to get to this Dark Knight uh, mm-hmm. moniker and, and trying to make a whole movie on it. They kept alluding to it, what, three or four times before then. We talked about it a little bit earlier. But I think Simon Kimberg, he saw that. He saw them always tr- like dipping their toe into the water to see if this would happen. And he got a full script to be able to do it. So I'm with it. Yeah. He'll no, do it, to me, he'll, he'll do it justice, but the bar is still low for me. I wonder, you know, you kind of wonder too later on, like, will he go over to the MCU to kind of help them, like, navigate that terrain like whatever it may be because he has such a he's had such a foot in it you know i mean kevin feige's one of his first films was the first x-men yeah so you wonder if he's gonna how much he wants to take on that that uh those characters and that those storylines i mean that's that's what's exciting to me and i hope he keeps kimberg involved because i like action he wrote he wrote uh sherlock holmes jumper mr mystic smith and x uh triple x he wrote the first sherlock yeah like we this, talked about that in the pod the other day. This Sleeper, dude has man. a this dude. His pin game is strong, so I'm. I'm excited and the cast, from what I've read, they all like had his back. Yeah, they were like, he's a good guy. Like we want him on set if he's doing the film. Let's 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 go. I'm with it. I'm with it. I'm with it. <laughs> I'm with See, it. I told you. Now you can't unhear it. You can't unhear it. I'm on um, Red. Is there anything uh, from the cast we also want to touch on? Is there anyone? Yes. that we didn't. Yes. Who? I'm here. Dave. Who? Uh, <laughs> Jessica Chastain, I have theories about her character, and I feel like I'm right, so I won't give that. 
But no spoilers. Uh, her signing on to this movie gives me hope for it. Yeah, I, again, the cast. Like, you, yeah. Again, the cast. Yeah. You said it, but her specifically, yeah. maybe just because I'm such a big Je- Jessica Chastain fan, and I used to talk, I talked about Zero Dark Thirty, yeah. and I like that. But um, her doing this and playing that role, like I'm, I'm, I'm probably most pumped to see her and see yep. what she does to it. Like you see her, she looks like this kind of alien mm-hmm. like presence. She's got this weird, these weird like eyes, this bleached like eyebrows. bleached eyebrows, bleached hair, and you only see her with Jean. Yeah. So I'm just gonna leave it at that. She's like the devil on Jean's shoulders, right? Yeah, that's yeah. kind of what I'm Dark thinking. Dark Phoenix's shoulders, yeah. Like, like, yeah, yeah. I'm excited for Ty Sheridan and uh, Nicholas Holt. Holt, yep. Holt, Holt, yeah, Holt, almost. Yeah, we get Ty Sheridan, Batman. like yeah. who's led Ready a, Player One. Ty yeah, Sheridan, led yeah. his own movie. You know what like, though? Yeah. How f- Cyclops sucks. <laughs> yeah, <I know>. Cyclops. <laughs> they've they've yeah. never Cyclops done. Cyclops the most wack disservice. We are definitely going to dive into on next week's sort of recap, which okay. I'm also going to be on. Surprise, surprise. But um, the idea of like the Marvel future, right, of the X Men, we're definitely going to dive into that. And I think a big part of that is how much they're going to make Cyclops actually legitimate. Uh-huh. I and think that's going to yes. be a big the, thing for Marvel and Kevin Feige and those guys. We also forgot that like Rogue is. Like one of the dopest characters in X Men, and they yeah. essentially just like nixed her from this entire shit. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. They they really cut cut Rogue. Uh, cut yeah, Rogue the Rogue cut quick. <laughs> yeah, because Rogue was like so badass in the cartoon. Yeah. She could fly. She I think she had like a Louisiana accent or something, and, and she was that's why she was with Gambit. Mm-hmm. Or no, she had a some kind of accent. Yeah, she I don't know. Owner. I mean, that's what yeah, it yeah, is. yeah, yeah. But she was she she was badass, and then they, in this she was more of a victim. Like more of like, oh, I hate my power. Like every guy I touch, I, like hmm. I can't kiss a boy. Ain't going on a date. Yeah. So my big, my biggest knock on the X Men franchise over the past few years has been the story always hinders on them facing this like worldly foe, this universal foe that's going to tear the fabric of the world as we know it. And for 120 minutes, it's them deciding whether they use their powers or not. And then they're like, oh wait, I'm actually. Sh- 10 times stronger than the person we're going up against. Let me disintegrate you, and I'm going to go back to being this insecure person. So yeah. I'm excited for this film because now it seems like Dark Phoenix is going to bring forth like the full embodiment of what we know Gene yep. Grey slash Phoenix to be, which that's what I've been wanting for the past however many years is to show these characters like fucking rocking shit in this movie. Yeah, they X-Men tends to downplay the superior element of their characters, right? It's they more do. about the... You know, the MLK and and Malcolm X, you know, McAvoy or, or, you know, Professor X against, you know, uh, Magneto. Um, I think this is a movie where where all the trailers and promos, you're seeing them suited up in full-on X-Men gear. So I do think you're going to get a a little bit more of the uh, superhero action in this. It is kind of interesting to think about it. Like, like the template for, like, all of the X-Men movies, like, there haven't been... Cra- Days of Future Past had a few of them, but there haven't been crazy set pieces like they do in MCU ones, like to, mm-hmm. like to kick the film off, yep. you know, before the credits or like whatever that may be. There aren't tons that stand out to yep. me. I like so the that's fact. A good point. I like the fact that in the movie, Jean Grey's outfit is like literally blue jeans <laughs> and a gray sweater. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, oh, this was this was very hard to put together. Yeah. She's crazy. Gonna- <laughs> I know tons of crazy girls in jeans. <laughs> so we're gonna add a new segment, courtesy of villainous uh, producer. Oh EP. yeah. TD, EPTD. Uh, we're going to predict the Rotten Tomatoes score and then oh, we're yeah. going to revisit it next week on the recap. So, 
are we going to do TD? Do you want to do it as like a, an over underscore or do you want it like, do I set the over under or is it that you want to have everyone give a prediction? Oh, on the that's score? a good call. We're workshopping this. And that's why, again, hit us up at Film Study Pod and let us know. Give us feedback. Give us thoughts. We're workshopping a lot of this. All of this can change. We changed up our open today. We're going to change everything next week as, as well. But um, I'm thinking for this, we can just go around the room, kind of think mm-hmm. what that score is. And obviously, Rotten Tomatoes is a big part of the movie going experience now in this day and age. Um, I do kind of despise or not like when people are like, I don't like Rotten Tomatoes. It's like it's its own, it's like it, Rotten Tomatoes it actually gives reviews. It doesn't. It just compiles no. the reviews that mm-hmm. are out there. Right. Um, there's been some questions about their practices, and I know they've tried to change sure. some and stuff. And even up. Google's algorithm. And what, yeah, why exactly. Just yeah, in the yeah. last week, they, they're changing like a bunch of the crit. The, yeah, the user fan, reviews. The user reviews, yeah, well, all for, the bullshit they're throwing For out. context, you know, they were allowing people to review the film that haven't, haven't seen Without the seeing the movie. So right. that's how you get See. Black Panther and what happened with the audience score. That's how you get, you know, Last Jedi and what happened there. Captain yeah. Marvel, what happened there. Mm-hmm. So um, we're yeah. going off of critic score. Uh, critic score. Yeah. Critic if you score. want to throw an audience score in there, sure, but that's enough. But that's more critic score. Yeah. Critic score. So, Spencer, what do you got for critic score for Dark Phoenix? I mean, it's 60, 60 to 70%. That's which is fresh. Which that's is a six, f- yeah. fresh. Not, not certified, certified fresh. Not certified fresh, but, but that's fresh. It's, it's going to be better than what we think it is. But okay. that's not saying much. Dane? 58. Just below the just fresh. Below, Yo, just below. Just below. Yeah. You just did the prices right to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I don't like, like one dollar. Well, I gave one dollar. You, you gave like a like a. <laughs> yours is broad, so I'm gonna say fifty eight. I'm yep. going thirty. Ooh, you're oh. saying this is like one of the worst. This 30? is like last stand. No, but I just think it's it. We're at a time where superhero movies are so good. Yeah. And one any sort of knock. It's not. It's going to be mediocre scores overall, but that means that based on that, they're all going to be rotten scores. So it's going to bump them down. There's not going yeah. to be a lot of fresh scores overall. Yeah, there will be some, but there'll just be some like mez, and those mez push it down to rotten. I don't, I'm not going to try to think for multiple critics, but I do think that just with the amount of superhero content there is out there now, that if critics do come across a movie that's not great, they're more likely to just panic. It's like, it's like, screw it, that was a bad movie. But I'm going to say, this movie has Hans Zimmer going for it. This movie has its cast going for it. Simon Kingberg going for it. My only concern is that it's less than two hours. And if you look at all the, X, the X-Men franchise, the I would say the top three movies of that franchise for me mm. are X2, Days of Future Past, and First Class. They're all, all those movies are all two-hour long They're pretty movies. lengthy movies. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, this is the culmination and the end of this franchise. And to wrap that up in less than two hours is a bad sign for me. So I'm going to go with... I'm gonna go with like 45 percent here. Okay. Mm-hmm. Score. Okay. Speaking of wrapping up, it's a pretty shitty scores. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Speaking of wrapping Hope up, I'm wrong. let's wrap up this little segment of the prep. And you can also interact with us at Film Study Pod. Let us know what you thought of our prep notes, and if you have anything you'd like to prep us on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And now it's time to get into the recap of Godzilla, King of the Monsters. This is Godzilla's world. We just live in it. Damn right. This fucking movie. <laughs> so, yeah. So, everyone, let's kind of oh give your uh, overall thoughts. Um, so, this is a spoiler, spoiler recap of last week's wide release. That's what we do every single time on this show on the back end is we recap the movie that we prepped you on last week. Uh, and we go over the highlights of the movie, the the MVPs, the plays of the game, and the future of the franchise. So, Spencer, overall thoughts of this movie? 
It's exactly what I thought it would fucking be. It's two and a half hours of just them avoiding bombs every 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's it was exactly right. it, to me. It was it was thirty to forty five minutes, way too long. That third act, I was like, "What are we? What is happening right now?" You guys stopped like two miles before the radiation was supposed to fuck you. Like, up. it's a detail. Just quick overall thoughts, right? Oh, yeah, we yeah, fuck. I, yeah, I'm fucking. <laughs> but, yes, but you're, you're, let me tell you heated. my overall Strong thoughts. fucking opinions over here. <laughs> Scene it's one. Good you have a movie podcast. <laughs> you're really into it. But, but yeah, yeah, I mean, overall opinion, it was a good movie for what it was. It sets up. Uh, the next movie, which will be Kong versus uh, or Godzilla versus Kong, I have some thoughts on that as well. I got tons of thoughts. Um, but the best part of this movie for me was the end credits. The end credits oh, okay. gave us like ten Easter eggs in that thirty second span of the. So you're saying through. the the credit when the credits were rolling, post credits. Yeah, post credits. Post credits. Yeah. Post credits. Yeah. You thought the post credits were good. The cr- when the credits were rolling. I think the credit. Like, I think the credits were good. The post credit scene. Was garbage. No, the post had a cre- yes, that oh. was garbage. Yeah, I'm talking yeah, yeah. about the credit scene. I, I was, was like, hap- I can't believe I waited around. Spencer that was long. most happy when the movie. We can ended. talk about that yeah. later. We're not, <laughs> guys, guys. We're not there yet. Overall thoughts. Overall we're thoughts, you guys. We have Dang, a got? structure to this. Well, my overall thought on Godzilla: King of the Monsters is, uh, yeah, it was a half hour too long, but I got exactly what I needed out of it, um, and that was a shit little monsters fighting each other. So you know. I'm, I, I was I walked out. I was happy. I'm not gonna go again though. Yeah, you know, fascinating. So like I'm I'm, I'm big on fascinating. Like, <laughs> I know, right? We all kind of look warm. Mm-hmm. But um, I was very picky about where I watch this movie because to to you guys' point, I felt like this is a movie I'm only going to see once. If you guys, if you're not yeah. a first time listener, you know that we all saw Endgame here an insane amount of times. Mm-hmm. I saw it six myself personally, but. This movie I thought I was only going to see once. I wanted it to be the best movie watching experience that it could get. So I went to Adobe Atmos Theater to yes. really get the sound, the photo, all that. Mm-hmm. So in that, like... Big was, Dolby guy. Producer yeah. TD. Big Dolby Big guy. Dolby guy. Yeah, I'm pushing that. I'm like an investor in it, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I would say this. Like, overall, this movie... Oh, Ralphie's outside. Yes. Yeah, Ralphie Ralphie's from... Um, Ralphie? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. From what? From, from the league. The league. And he's in Brooklyn Wait, Nine-Nine. Ralphie? Yeah, Ralphie, Ralphie Ralphie just walked by as we're recording this podcast. Jason right Manzoukas? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> he was in John Wick 3, John too. John Wick 3, yeah. yeah. We're fanboying right he's now. He's walking right outside on his AirPods. He's literally right there. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this is so oh, random. Take your headphones Wait. off and look, Dave. Oh, shit. <laughs> as Ralphie walks, walks by again. I was just going to wrap up by saying this movie kind of beat me into submission. At the end of the movie, I'm like, fine, you win. You know what I mean? And it's like... It, it was good for what it tried to be. Like, a lot of critics came out and, you know, talked about the human element to this. I didn't care about that. So at the end of the movie, at least, I was like, you delivered on Godzilla beating up other yeah. monsters. Yeah. And I'm fine. Yeah. Let's move on. I did feel kind of exhausted when I got out. Oh, I yeah. was like, yes. I was like, yes. and yet, not because of the length also, but just like what you're taking in this film, you're like, God damn, this is a lot. Yeah. A, there were a lot of questions that I had, and I try to watch movies without my tin hat, mm-hmm. but you get to a point where you're sitting there like, how did how did they do this? How's this happening? Why are they where they are right now so quick when they were so much plot armor ten thousand miles away before? Yep. I had three IPAs <laughs> and once I was done, I realized there was still another hour of the movie. Oh. I mean Man. Well so oh, man. what was <laughs> let's get into the highlights of the movie right now. So I'm gonna jump ahead since we're talking about scenes. Mm-hmm. Um and obviously these are big uh, set pieces, these these sequences. So what was your favorite play of the game and the play of the game being your favorite moment 
uh, favorite scene, favorite sequence mm -hmm. of the movie? My favorite scene is when they actually uh, follow, track Godzilla back to what we now know to be an ancient civilization. That was cool. Underwater. You know, a lot of people can allude it to be what Atlantis was, potentially. Yep. Uh, we had, they, they didn't really specify that. But essentially, that was cool, uh, man. Godzilla, you know, he lives and breathes radiation. And how he gets his power is he go, he burrows to the, to the, you know, one of the deepest parts of the earth and literally sits in like, it's what looks like a pool of just radiation coming yeah. up from, from the core of the earth. But outside of that, they've, they, an ancient civilization built an entire, again, civilization to sort of treat him as their god. There's hieroglyphics on the walls of them, like literally praying to Godzilla. So my favorite scene was when they look at this ancient civilization that they didn't know was there, and then five minutes later, they blow the shit up. I know. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, talk, you talk about going down to the depths of wherever this was. It, it was somewhere by Antarctica, I believe. <laughs> yep. But you, you stop because you say, hey, the radiation's too strong, and then it's like, well, we have to send somebody in there. Oh, you're not going to disintegrate before you even get to where Godzilla is. You yeah. were just talking about how you need to stop before going in. Spencer, this isn't Chernobyl. Okay. Yo, it's not working the, the same way <laughs> it's as in real life. Hey, it's radiation. You're, you can't get that close <laughs> to fucking Godzilla. Well, so was that your play Baby. of the game or not? I loved it because it just showed how fucking Ridiculous demonstrative <laughs> humans are. It's yeah. like, hey, yeah. okay, okay. I okay. love this place. Now let's blow it up. Yeah. But they like, had to in order to save the life that they cared about. I like I like when Ken Watanabe like like goes up to him and he's like like goodbye old friends. Like this God's let us <laughs> yeah. give a fuck about you. Like like come on. Like it was crazy. But I liked that scene. Um so can I get my you play give the game? Your <laughs> Don't fucking ask. Just do it. Okay. Uh that scene I love, but then I was like, you're making all these discoveries, these crazy discoveries, then you destroy the fucking thing. Yeah. And it reminded me of Team America when they go to Egypt and they miss, they shoot a missile and they miss oh, the yeah. terrorist and it hits the pyramid and yeah. the pyramid blows up and the guy goes, fuck, I missed. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, that's, that's weird. That's where my head went. But uh, my favorite scene was, uh, I talked a lot about Mothra, mm -hmm. how much I loved her. I thought when she uh, uh, sacrificed herself at the end to... Uh, like Godzilla, you know, fight Ghidorah a yeah. longer. And like, you know, she she was kind of the MVP of that movie with like giving up her life and like doing a bunch of things for Godzilla. I liked You're any scene from Mothra, boo. but uh, that final scene where she sacrificed herself, I thought was really, uh, was really cool. The, they definitely like the, the dialogue was such a flex uh, with the VFX team, yeah. right? They were like, wow, it's so beautiful, yeah. right? Like all the people and it's like, this isn't a real thing. Like you guys made this. Yeah. It's like you, you guys, let's write in some dialogue that's gonna be like, this shit is dope. This well, is amazing. Do you think yeah. that this is? Do you think that they feel like they have to keep it, some of that dialogue or some of their things they do corny just because the source material at times, like the way the people sometimes in the Godzilla movies early on were the corniest aspect of it. Mm. I mean, it's part of the DNA, yeah, right? It's like it, Kyle, Ch like Kyle Chandler, like delivers every fucking line the exact same, and I don't know if he's in, like it, it sounds like he's in danger all the time. Yeah, it's but, just uh, like the exposition scenes and then the action scenes, right? Like that's yeah. all. Yeah. Either you're moving, you're either in an exposition scene that is now moving to an action scene, mm -hmm. right? Yep. And I like that. That set piece. Um, yeah, I, I I think my favorite scene, my play of the game, would be the Rodan intro. I was yeah. I mm, think yeah. the chase scene leading to what they were calling at the time Monster Zero because mm -hmm. yep. they didn't know Ghidorah, yep. the whole Legend of Ghidorah yet. Yeah. And it's you're going into a hurricane, right? Yeah. And they, like we talked about on the prep last week, 
that if they stay true to the source material, like uh, Ghidorah brings a hurricane uh, in its Ghidorah, wake. Yeah, Ghidorah's wings uh, can simulate what a yep. like yeah. thunderstorm, lightning storm, like tropical. They, they were tracking specimen that, that yeah tracking him on the map. He yeah. looked yeah. like El Nino. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Spanish for Nino. And uh, I think that was my favorite scene because that, that was the only moment where I'm like. Oh man! And yeah. even though I knew like all these people had plot armor, I was like, "Well, what's going to happen when they get there? Like, what are they going to do?" And that—that's what I think gave me the most suspense out of any scene. Um, Rodan was cool. That well, was cool. I re- I the re- score in that scene was good too. Yeah. I remember it was. Just... I remember. I remember talking about um, Rodan and if he was going to be a friend or foe. I remember that. Godzilla you thought he'd be an ally because you know historically Rodan has been uh, like the sidekick. He's been the Robin to Godzilla. So to see him go up to uh, Ghidorah and essentially bow to Ghidorah, you get the feeling that like Rodan's going to play the henchman moving forward. Now his alliance is only to power. Yeah, right. yep. I don't, because there's two of them, and the other one hasn't showed up. And I think the other one will be good. We don't know if there's two of them yet. Are we sure? That's why I said yet. Yet. We don't know. See, I feel like that Rodan was used in a very specific way for this film, and and th- that's not the last we're going to see a Rodan. What was interesting about Rodan is that I've never said a sentence like that for the last <laughs> for the for the last however many hundreds of thousands of millions of years, Rodan has been bathing. In fucking lava. Lava. Yeah. Like, he's like yeah. he's doing an Epsom salt bath for the past like <laughs> yep. fucking twenty million years. Yeah. And he gets Ralphie's still outside, guys. Dude, I can <laughs> see him from the <laughs> I can like, see him in the reflection. <laughs> like Ralphie's completely destroyed. And he literally <laughs> looks it's Rafi outside. Yeah. yeah. It's oh, like yeah. it's there's it's no mistaking. Cool. That's amazing. But, That's great. Like Rodan is bathing in lava for a million years, and then all of a sudden he gets knocked back by some missiles. Like, was it the power of the missiles that knocked him back, or was it the explosion? Because lava missiles, I'm going with you bathing in lava to be able to like just pluck some missiles off of your chest. I don't know, man. I don't really know how these monsters work. <laughs> no, <Yeah. laughs> these monsters aren't working the way that they're supposed to be. Blow up already. TD, what was your favorite scene in the movie? <sighs> for me, it was because. Other than the monster stuff you guys have mentioned, which is really great, did you guys catch a very, very quick almost Game of Thrones like uh, King's Landing scene with a shadow of Rodan mm-hmm. flying over? Oh, yeah. It looked very, yeah. very like Drogon flying over King's Landing. Yes. Um, in in you know in, in the yeah. vision and whatnot. So um, with that, I do want to point out that there was obviously with Charles Dance being in there, Tywin Lannister, that there was a Game of Thrones similarity here for me, where it's like he was working with. You know the the lead female character and her her character arc and motivation was just Ugh. not it. No, at all. I no. forget her name. I'm not even gonna look it up. But that was it. Was very almost Cersei like of like, you know, she thinks she has a plan ready to go and it doesn't work. It Vera literally yeah. blows up in her face. Mm-hmm. Um. So again, it, for me, it was just a movie like I just I at a point when I just get bored with like the actual storyline, I just start. Looking for stuff, yeah. Looking for stuff to entertain myself. Like, oh, that's very similar. That's fun. But um, Bradley Whitford. There's another. The number. Real quick. There's another tie. uh, Game of Thrones tie-in. Oh yeah. Because Doctor Ling, uh, Z Z Z Zhang, looks exactly like Cersei. Did you guys catch that? No. No. She Uh, looks exactly like Cersei in the movie. Dude, I Come think on. I think you're you did this you, last week with Aladdin. Yo, dude, you're not yo, close. That doesn't look like Cersei to you, dude. You are she so off with your 
Who did he think? He well, thought the, the the Sultan looked I like. I thought Sultan looked, looked like Joaquin like Phoenix. Us, because no, dude, you guys so understand. off, man. Uh, he he tells me daily I look like Ed Helms. I don't look like Ed Helms. No, that doesn't look like Cersei. You look like millennial Ed Helms. Then he makes up Jessica Bill with um. Anne Hathaway. Anne no, Evangeline Hathaway. Lilly. Evangeline Lilly. Evangeline Lilly. He's yeah. watching Ant-Man and the Wasp in my house. He's like, alive. man, Jessica Biel's in this. Because like, they, dude. She, Spencer, look, during your playing days, you didn't mix up Cam Newton and Tom Brady. Fuck all you guys. <laughs> fuck all you guys. She looks like Cersei. Bradley Whitford. So you were talking about Bradley Whitford. I just, I, I obviously know him from West Wing and, and yep. Get Out. Uh, but in this movie, I was calling him the counting guy. Yeah. The drinking counting guy. Because that's yep. all he did in this movie was just count down, yeah. count yeah. up. And drink. That's all he did. What I mean, that was, to say that was a Rick and Morty reference. Oh, I was just going to say, like, the li- it's in a trailer, and I hated the line in the trailer. It actually kind of works a little bit better in the movie, the Oh My God, Zilla line, oh, yeah. and they kind of edit those. It was a little weird. When I yeah, heard it. it was, I was like, like it works a little bit better in the movie because at that point, you know his character, and, like, he's just there for the jokes. He's just yeah. there just to and be And counting. Silly. And counting, clearly. So, but for me, uh, Charles Dance, who plays um, uh, Jonah Land, he's the bad know, guy. The bad guy in the film. I'm wondering what his motive is because his whole thing is we're going to release these monsters and restore, you know, order back to the world. But you like he seems like he has a very good quality of life right now. Yeah, like he's walking yeah. around in like J Crew pullovers. <laughs> so and, did Thanos, man, and like <laughs> and like Kohan shoes and just like strolling up. Like, what do you think is going to happen if you let all these monsters free? Do you think you're just going to, like, you know, yeah. shop at Whole Foods on a random Tuesday anymore? He, like, no, you are now at the bottom of the food chain when it comes to these monsters. So what's the point of releasing them? He's got it figured out, man. There's a B plan. Fuck that. Also, I kind of like the idea that they're embracing that the world is just a fucking shit show right now. Yes. And, like, like everything is on fire. And it, they kind of, you know, they kind of steer away from that in other in other areas. But like everywhere you go, like where these monsters go, and uh, they just bring this terrible weather, terrible <laughs> accidents. It's 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 cool to see. But I also mean, life. They bring life. Yeah, that was the they whole do tie in. Um, and that was initially uh, the the main the, the lead female, not Millie Bobby Brown, but the the older her mom. Very um, um, That was kind of her motivation, right? Yeah. Was like, oh, to bring life. But her character arc was. It, I don't care that she sacrificed herself. That was irredeemable what she did. Yeah. Right? Like, she brought destruction Yeah. It, just out of complete negligence. Just I, You just, you didn't understand. Like, it seemed like she understood the stakes that were, that was, you know, about to happen. But the cause and effect just didn't align. But she didn't, mm-hmm. not, she didn't know that Monster Zero was not from this earth. It's right? a, and it's I think a monster. No, but it wasn't. But it's it wasn't designed to do the same thing. Exactly, and, I think, no, and, friend, and yeah. it's still Protocol she unleashed, and whatnot, unleashed yeah. everything that caused the terror around the world, and, and did not like even though it it helped create more life, it brought so much death and destruction. Yeah, but the in the in the nature of releasing these uh, mutos, you know, we saw the I, I don't know the names. There was a giant spider. There was a, what looked like a mammoth. There were these, you know, these these mutos walking around in isolated parts of the world and they're walking and literally just killing dozens of people with each step. Yeah. So the fact that you're even releasing it, you're already accounting for, for casualties. Well, I, I, I thought that 
there's a clip that was funny where a news person goes, oh, and suddenly the animals have turned docile yeah. and they're going to the water. I'm like, and there's a, literally a clip of the one with the tusks just like yeah. like having that fuck it moment. Like, okay, like, like, I'm out right. of here. Fun <laughs> time's so, over. Let's, let's go MVPs now. Really quick before we do okay, MVP. Okay. So one of the fun games I was playing with myself because I wasn't enjoying the storyline to this movie was Fenway Park. We, yeah. Was a, this was know, the biggest I, game. Which I, I played at. Yeah, there life. you go. There you go. Shout out Life Green Flex. Monster. <laughs> um, but um, I started playing. What other movies has Fenway Park appeared in? So only, I'm gonna, I'm, no, wait, hold on. I'm going to ask you because you okay. play baseball, so you probably know. Do you? Oh, well, I'm looking. Do you guys I know? Think. You got yeah. It's got to be a non-baseball movie. A non-baseball. Non-baseball movie. Fenway Park. It's oh, been I, in a lot of movies. I mean, I uh, summer, summer catch. Men right? in Black Three. No, no, I know nope. it. I'm, I'm the resident one, Boston one more guy guess, here. One more guess, one more guess. I mean, I was going to say Fever Pitch, but that's basically... No. Fever Pitch, was it? Fever <laughs> <Yeah>. Pitch. <laughs> no, can I say it? Fuck so this pod say is going to two hours. <laughs> None baseball movie. Yeah, it's The Town. That's, yeah. Oh, oh that yeah. makes sense. The oh, town. yeah, where... Oh, the whole yep. the whole third act, yep. basically. Yeah. You know. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, at Fenway, movie. Spotlight. Non-baseball movie, Spotlight. Um... And I think that's about it. But yeah, this is a fun game. I like the random we play yeah. with myself. I want to go to Fenway, man. I want to have a beer. Was King Fenway. of Monsters a good subtitle for you guys? It gave mm. away the ending. Yeah, it yeah. gave away the ending. Um, Rise of the Titans is the one I was we'll, get, we'll get into that later. I think that ties in more to the future of the franchise. Right um, I think that ties in a lot with it. But MVP, Spencer, who was your... Spoil it again. You did it. Spoil it again. again by Spencer, who was your MVP? I mean, you have to go with fucking Godzilla. Like mm. to me that he he wrecked shit. I love it. He needed a lot of help though. He like, I would he, say this. He, he needed like, a I, lot of help. He got help from humans. No, we're going to help him this time. Well, I said when he <laughs> went to when he went to like regenerate, it was like Kobe going to Germany to get like the blood transfusions and shit. <laughs> yeah. Like he yeah. was doing he was he went to Germany to get blood transfusions. He, he got, got help fucking, four times. He got fucking PED radiation. Yep. Yeah. Like this dude is he's old, so as an old athlete like you need every fucking edge to to win the game. He's an old beat up athlete that's like, yo, I I can still go. Yeah, Dane. No, I, he got so much, so much help. I can't call him MVP. Dane uh, Mothra, Mothra. Yeah, the first time. Ta- yeah, uh, you know she has that great scene in the beginning where she's, you know, she's, she. You never saw Mothra uh, play that like evil monster role in this movie. No, not movie. at all. You know yeah. what I mean? And I thought not that was, all. I yep. thought that was pretty dope. And her, uh, you know, like I said earlier, her sacrifice and all that I thought was really yep. cool. I've got the orca. I like the orca as a plot device. I thought it was fun. <laughs> I thought it was unique. That it ended up being that it caused a lot of problems, Matt. Yeah, <laughs> I, but I'm saying like to make what made the what drove this film yeah. was always the orca, mm-hmm. and I thought they used it that in was unique ways, yep. um, and that it was tied to the human voice uh, as well. It was like a mixture of human voice and monster voices, correct? Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, correct. And then it finally uh, culminates to Millie Bobby Brown using it at Fenway Park on the on the PA system. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think, and we talked about this last week because we said that um, Mothra telekinetically can uh, talk to humans. And we were trying to figure out if they were going to do that with uh, Millie Bobby Brown or somehow, some way, get humans to talk to Mutos. So yep. um, that's what the Orca was. It was the bridge between human and Mutos. I would go with Ken Watanabe's character. I think ah. he was. I think he was really good. I think you know he had the line in the first Godzilla movie, "Let them fight," which they called back to in this movie. Um, and it, it his his scenes were you know the only scenes I really felt like yeah this guy gets it like he understands everything that's at stake he's not he's not super one dimensional so I I thought his character was uh, most intriguing for me where 
could this movie improve? In one place. Um, I mean, does it need to? Like, I think I think the question here is, especially with the box office performance and what it's done so far, is just kind of like, can you get away with making these big old monster CGI movies that mm-hmm. the focus should be on the monsters, but like, how much? That's never going to be a critic's darling. Never. Like the Transformers movie, even when they read Bumblebee, okay, Bumblebee. Decent. But like even that, people didn't really see it though. So like you got a really good movie from a critic standpoint. But Bumblebee as a character is also so different than any of those monsters. Yeah. It's like he's got a personality. He's got like a and like not saying yeah. these guys don't, but like you can only get so much emotional depth with Godzilla. Yeah. I'm well, just they did here for try. a good time. That's you when said no one saw movie, Bumblebee. I always well, have to. Comp- I always have to check. I always have to check the villain. E- villain EPTD. Uh, because that facts. movie made four hundred and sixty-seven million compared dollars to the other Transformers worldwide. movies. That doesn't like, make it a good movie, though. But I'm just saying that it it, it was a good movie, and he said, but, it, but he was basically saying that it was it it sacrificed a good movie for making money, and it did not. That well, still made the money. The first three Transformers movies, at least two and three, made it like a bill. So sure. again, it's like. You know, comparatively, like Oof. the audience is. The, I know, would. The studios I, we don't have time, more. but I would love to fact check numbers back and yeah. forth. But yeah. uh, it was That'd a be success a great and a great movie. <laughs> um, I'd love to reference Bumblebee twice on this pod. Um, any other improvements? Anyone else? The, the the I thought the monster fight scenes visually were pretty pretty ambitious and pretty yeah. cool. When Ghidorah I, drops Godzilla. That was oh pretty, my yeah. God. But yeah. like, you know, like a lot of the things you saw because of the weather, which, you know, a lot of people were kind of complaining about, but that makes sense with the monsters bringing these storms. Like, yep. So you saw a lot of these fights and just like silhouettes and just yeah, like kind of outlines of what they raining. were doing. He was creative with it. Yeah. Those were my favorite parts, which, you know, duh, like the monsters beating the shit out of each other is my favorite, like everyone's yeah. favorite part. But like the way they did it, like yep. I'm like you, TD, you kind of, you, you, you fall out, but you notice little things where you're like, oh man, that's that's pretty cool. That's yeah. a cool shot. Like that's a, that's a cool way of doing things. It was very so. Pacific Rim in that sense, right? Yeah. And like, and speaking of like just the underground where Godzilla home base, that mm-hmm. Pacific Rim also had that idea of like these kaijus are coming yeah. from the underground. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, the subterranean tunnels? Yes. That, yeah. that point yeah. was kind of cool going yeah. through the earth. Yeah, they so travel through these tunnels. It is like someone did point out online how like these movies just have this have the same visual aesthetic. It's like grayish blue dark. Like yeah. if there is a way they could actually like brighten up the color somehow, maybe have some scenes in the daytime and promote it that way. Maybe that helps and brings a you know a big audience. Remember when they always felt like they had to do these like third acts or these big battles at night all the time. They always yeah. felt like it had to be a certain aesthetic. But at the same time, like some of the best you know action scenes I can think of at the top of my head yeah. were like peculiar hours, like yeah. in the middle of the day or like whatever it may be, top of the morning. Like, and uh, with this, it was. I mean, you couldn't really tell, but it was it was an interesting new way in to me. I kind of ha- I had a good time with it. Yeah. Yeah, but that I mean. Just in, in reading up on screenwriting and how to structure film, like you're kind of taught to put those type of scenes at night because it, it kind of syncs with game time. It syncs with, with the horror film genre. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of things, uh, a lot of horror movies of past, the killing really happens at night. Yeah. So I remember being a kid sitting down in the theater, as soon as it turned to night, I would like stuff tissue in my ear to like block out the the jumping sounds and the mm. and the shock value. But I knew once it turned daytime again, I was cool. It wasn't until I think it was um, either the ring or one of those where like the little white girls like she crawled out of the well, <laughs> man. <laughs> the, grudge. Of, the, right, the grudge, the grudge, the grudge probably. And it was daytime. Like, 
I remember being like, Ugh. oh, it's daytime, <laughs> like I'm good. And then oh, girl from Grudge like flashes across the screen on a on a train. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. This isn't nighttime. What the fuck are you guys? No, doing? it, it yeah. does something. You think yeah. a little differently, and like 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 it did that for me. Yeah. Like the kid walking in the library just with his head off. I and think you're like us, what the fuck? Yeah. Us was like that too, right? Mm, there were yeah. some yeah. daytime creepy daytime scenes. Yep. Yeah. Um. So this movie had <laughs> this movie, and I mean Godzilla, King of the Monsters, had a Rotten Tomato score of forty percent. No, no, no. You keep doing. Oh this. my god! Before I, we do we this, did. no, no, no. We're already <laughs> over time. Well, we not, we're not over time. Let me just say, it got a forty percent. Yep. We uh, did not last week do this Rotten Tomato segment, so we have no numbers to go off of. But I want to add it in yep. there. Great. Uh, seems right. Seems right. Correct, forty percent. Like we also said, critics about, are, It's not going to be a big critic movie, yeah. but audience will will enjoy it. But it, they also didn't go to see it a lot. It was like forty nine million opening weekend, yeah. which yeah. isn't great. Um, one hundred and thirty, if I recall correctly, world. Uh, yep. International, so it's 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 going to have a hard time breaking even, um, and that you know. Well, the good thing is King versus God, Godzilla versus Kong is already slated for a March release in 2020. And that's got what I up. got next is the future of the franchise. And before we do that, you know, just quick quick mention of I think this franchise has been hurt by just how spread out the releases are. It doesn't feel like a collective franchise. Like mm-hmm. that's maybe maybe that change with, changes with Godzilla versus Kong, but so next far year, it's felt super random. It's felt like oh yeah, that's right. They're trying oh, to I make a movie about franchise. that. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's something they could you know just all about strategy. I think in, in terms of just to piggyback off what you were saying, uh, Matt, where does this franchise go? You get that in those credit scenes of you know the wrap up of the movie. Mm-hmm. I caught a few things in there where Monarch finds a large egg. We yeah. don't know if that's mm-hmm. going to be a new... You see, you're talking about the newspaper clippings that yes. they were showing and all the blog posts. Yes. That, so that's like the credits rolling, essentially. Yes. If yeah. it's like the equivalent of the Marvel post-credit, this would be like the mid-credit exactly. scene, essentially. The Easter eggs we get there. Yeah. Like for me, like the planet started blossoming again, which was a cause of the radiation that the mutos were giving off. Um, but I think how this sets up with Godzilla versus Kong is you got to realize... Godzilla's home just got destroyed by humans. Mm-hmm. And they said in the clippings, if I remember like increased radiations coming from Skull Island. So now uh, the military is putting like a blockade around Skull Island so nobody can get into it, like trying to figure out what it is. I think Godzilla can sense radiation and knows that the strongest form of radiation is coming from Skull Island. So he's going to try to make Skull Island his home. And that's where Kong is like, hold on. Kong up. is like, nah, motherfucker. <laughs> right. I'll pay rent here. <laughs> and do we want to go to another place that we've already been in this franchise? Yes. Right? Uh, like, do you want to yeah, go, go back? Godzilla's going to Skull Island to fight Kong? Fuck I want to yeah. go back. Yeah. <laughs> to me, Skull Island was visually dope. Yes. And we can agreed. see there, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. They had some daytime. We had daytime, daytime scenes. A lot of yeah. Daytime stuff yeah. There. So I think, I think Kong is heading to, I mean, uh, Godzilla's heading to Skull Island. Skull Island, I mean, uh, fucking Kong, Kong is yeah. waiting for him at the door, like, um, What's up? What are you doing? And like, he's gonna take I that do. king I title. I wonder where that initial that fight between them will be. Because you saw, because you realize when at the end of the movie, um, all the mutos kind of bow, bow down to, to Godzilla, yeah. except for Kong. I would have loved to find. I would have loved to see something of Kong like at Skull Island, kind of like bucking at the idea of bowing down to somebody. What do you think is watching on like internet or something? I mean, <laughs> like, they fucking have like increased screen. Wi-Fi. They can feel radiation from across the world. So he's probably like getting that signal like, nah, like that's a like that's like the equivalent of being young and like the creditors calling your home and you'd be like, I'm just not picking this shit up. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Godzilla Caller ID. Like ah oh, fuck. Godzilla's <laughs> coming. I better get to the other side of the island. They were also talking about how like 
the endangered species is potentially uh, like a super few a superfood for humans. Did you guys catch that? No, no, I no. checked out at that point. Story no. wise, I it checked out. <laughs> I, and I and I was so upset with the actual post credit scene because they're like, stick around. There's a post credit scene. That's what yeah. they told us at the ArcLight, yeah. and it was just the scene of Tywin Lannister with like one of the heads of Ghidorah, which yeah. I hope was like, was it the right head, which is uh, our producer John's far, boy. If you're looking at us, the far right, yes, yes, right yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we, did you tell that story that we? Yeah, uh, one it of just our, like it just was like I waited around that long after the credits for that one scene. Yeah, mm -hmm. I didn't think we needed. See, but here, see, here's where we're we're also forgetting that Ghidorah is technically an alien species. Yeah. So when we were talking about building out the MonsterVerse, we was we were saying how they said it was only 17 mutos that we know of. Now they're opening up a world to where yeah, say Ghidorah is dead alien, now. Yeah. Maybe that signal, that radiation signal goes out to space and now something else is coming yep. like oh yeah. shit we sent our boy to conquer earth <laughs> he's dead now we got to send the cow a new champion well, yeah. what, I, what i think is interesting is that uh huh. this is a universal <laughs> pictures film right mm -hmm. yep and another property that universal pictures has anyone know pacific rim pacific rim oh, oh interesting yeah. so yeah. it's on. warner brothers internationally i believe so for for godzilla uh, i'll look it up i believe yeah yeah, Warner Brothers has that setup where the, you know they might handle the domestic or international distribution. I mean, I can easily, I can easily see for the first. Oh no, hour. you're right. Yeah, I think it's Warner Brothers. So, so look at fact did I, checking. Look what at that. I, no, no, hold look. on. I I saw somewhere about Universal. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to hear it. Hold Ray. On. Don't want to hear it. The all villain I'm, wins. All I'm saying yeah. is Kong and Godzilla are going to go after it for an hour and a half, and then a fucking species is going to come from Earth. Uh, come from and they Earth, team up, and they're going to be like, oh shit. We talked we about this. We said, like, yeah. it's not that simple. They're going to do something. And with that, like, that it's tail Batman line, v Superman. Yeah, it's the same shit. I'm it's, okay. Which is frustrating. Back check. Yeah, I'm is. completely wrong. It's both Warner Brothers, uh, both international and domestic. Mm -hmm. However, we got that. However, right. we know that uh, studios sometimes work together. I'm going to shoehorn this in. Oh, my God. <laughs> so it fits. <laughs> hey, it's possible. Uh, Chris, let's edit this out. No, <laughs> did you guys, it is possible. Did you it guys possible. also uh, catch Tony Stark's cabin? What? When? If I mean, we're not going to go back and watch the movie, but there's a scene <laughs> in there where they go to a cabin on the lake, and it looks exactly like uh, Tony Stark's cabin. Really? Yeah. Didn't I catch that? I did catch the King La King's Landing shot. Not that. You're making my head go to weird places. Hey, check yeah. if, if there's a picture of it. One okay. last thing, though. Out there, right on, right on, right a picture of the cabin. That Obviously, is. Kong, the last time you saw him, is nowhere as big as Godzilla, but mm -hmm. apparently the reports are that, because it's been like, what, 30, 40 years, that he's grown since then. Yeah. So now he is on par yeah. size wise. He's, he's going to be that much bigger. Yeah. In but in Skull Island, they made a mention that he's just a kid. Exactly. Yeah. He was more like a Donkey exactly. Kong. Yeah. Because they, <laughs> because yes. they, they found what his potentially parents. was his ancestors or his yep. parents, and they were fucking massive. Yep. So thirty years. So, we're so were all those crazy monsters on that island too? Were those Mutos? Might have been because remember the spider scene where I've seen the movie in a where couple they were years. stabbing where they were stabbing people with their like tentacles yeah. with their legs yeah that looked like a muto the spider yeah. muto mm. that bowed that's what I thought and then I saw that Th so yeah and that, these conversations were happening here where we can't quite remember is the issue with this franchise it's so yeah. spread out yeah. where it's like you're not sure what's connected and it's leaving all of us to do all the hard work and it's like no come on get yeah, it yeah 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 it's so spread out a little confusing but. <laughs> we could talk about this forever. Sure can. Uh, but why don't we do that on social media? You guys let us know who forever. are listening right now. <laughs> uh, interact with us at Film Study Pod, at Paysinger, no vowels, at Dane Mork. 
Uh, next episode. Parade's trying to play really nice and fair here. Follow the <laughs> damn social media feed of the show. Yeah. You listen to the show, follow us so we can we get, make the show to. better. Okay? Yeah. yeah. All right? That's Villain TD speaking. We implore you to follow it. Exactly. Next week, next week we're going to do Let's Men in Black International and a Dark Phoenix recap. Oh, yeah. You mean Thor Ragnarok 2? yeah i'm excited to talk about that though because chris hemsworth going full comedy like everyone wants to do a buddy cup comedy with chris hemsworth i love it so i'm excited i'm with it till next time all right guys